everybody. Welcome to A Year Ago Today. I'm your host, Tyla Fowler, and I'm thrilled that you're joining me. This is such a gorgeous episode, and I'm so excited to share it with you. I'm talking today to my friend Jacqueline Carvey, Jackie, and she is just incredible. You're going to hear in the episode a little story about how we met, so I'm not going to go into that here. What I will tell you about Jackie here is that she's an incredible human who has been teaching high school music for the last 11 years. Uh, She grew up in Vermont, and now she lives in the Boston area. And I'm going to put some of her information in the show notes if you feel called to reach out to her after listening to her story. Um, Okay, so just a couple real quick points about this episode. The first thing is that you're going to hear in the episode that I was in a pretty vulnerable place when we recorded this. It was in uh, early June of this year and my ex-boyfriend had just moved out. At the time, we weren't sure whether or not we were just taking a break or if this was signifying the end of our relationship. And since then, if you know me at all or follow me on social media or whatever, you will know that we have decided to let our relationship go, that it is a breakup, not a break. So that is what it is. And there's a point in here at which I make a funny, I think it's funny, comment about, we're talking about it being possible to be a feminist and also be a Catholic and whether or not that's a thing that's possible. And I've asked my sound editor to bleep out my ex-boyfriend's family name simply out of respect for them. So if you are super inclined, I'm sure you can go find out that name somewhere on the internet or on social media or whatever. However... There's no need to go look into that, and I wanted to leave the comment in there because it is really true to my experience and to how I was feeling at the time, and to be honest, to how I still feel, Uh, despite the fact that there's a lot more nuance to the breakup than I sometimes account for, you know, because that's what it is to be human. We can't always illuminate all the shades of a situation in every given moment, so... This was recorded in a very particular moment for me, and I want to honor where I was by not editing the recording too much, and at the same time, I'm trying to figure out how to walk that line of being respectful to everyone involved. So, it is what it is, and hopefully <laughs> hopefully, I've done enough. Um, I also want to mention that in this episode, I talk about having really become a true feminist, and talked about... We talk a lot about like living in a society that devalues women, and I want to say that since the time this was recorded, I've realized that even at this point, while I may have been deepening into my ideals around feminism, I still wasn't fully um, grounded into what it means to be an intersectional feminist. So we talk a lot in this episode about what it's like to live as a woman in society, and what we don't talk about is what it's like to be a woman of color on top of that. That adds a whole different shade to the experience, of course, and there's, you know, women across the board experience a certain kind of discrimination and a certain kind of violence simply by existing as women, and on top of that, women of color, there's a whole other level to their experience, and at the time that we recorded this, I was not yet fully present to the complexity and the nuance of that, so that's not something that I touch on in this conversation. I think were we having this conversation now, I would probably bring it up. However, again, I need to just respect where I was in that moment. So it is what it is, and I think that's all I need to say about that. 
The other thing I want to share with you is that I mentioned in this episode that I, as a way to connect with my father, who passed away four years ago, I had been trying to write more often, and that that was really challenging for me, and I'd really been struggling with finding a way to do that. And it's so interesting the way the timing works out. It just so happens that I have just written something (laughs) that I published on my blog, on my website today, just in time for this episode to come out. And that it also is tangentially related to my dad because it's about depression. And I talk in this episode about how my dad struggled with depression his entire life. And the article I've just published on my website is about someone who reached out with some unsolicited advice when I was considering some questions around around depression on my Instagram stories the other day. So I'm sharing that with you because if you're inclined to go read my writing, I would love to have you do that. I will put the link in the show notes and it would be great if you wanted to go read and comment and share it. I would also really be honored if you would share this episode with anyone you think might appreciate it, with any friends of yours that have lost a parent and that might experience some healing from hearing this conversation. And I'll also let you know that I have recently launched a Patreon for this podcast, which means that if this podcast adds value to your life, you now have an opportunity to add value to the podcast. You can go to Patreon and you can make a recurring monthly financial contribution anywhere from $1 to however many dollars you can afford, and I would really appreciate that. It'll help me continue to pay my sound editor, and it will also help me in doing some other things that I really want to do around this podcast, like being able to have the episodes transcripted so that it's easier for me to pull out content for social media so I can foster more engagement online and grow the audience and hopefully eventually monetize. You know, there's all this stuff around the podcast that's tied into how big the audience is, and that has directly to do with how much engagement there is. And that has to do with how resourced I am to foster engagement. So if you receive value and you're able to make any sort of financial contribution, it would really mean the world to me. I will put the link to the Patreon also in the show notes right below this episode wherever you are listening to it. And last but not least, I think I already said that. (laughs) I'll say it again because sometimes what I think is last is not actually last, but Maybe this time it really is the last thing. Uh, Rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't already. It really helps. And that's all I have to say to you today. I hope that you will enjoy listening to this episode. It's really, really a good one, in my opinion. (laughs) And I'm so grateful to share it with you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye. here i am so excited oh, and a little, really me too a little nervous but i uh, <laughs> me too <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was recording for just a couple of minutes before you got here oh. and i think i don't know what i was kind of speaking to is how vulnerable i feel coming into this conversation right now mm-hmm. and i'm sure you feel the same way mm-hmm. definitely 
And how are you doing with everything? Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's okay. You know? <laughs> yeah, like... I'm so grateful for so many things, and I'm also so mad about so many things, mm-hmm. and I'm really taking the time to work through that anger. Mm-hmm. I think that's and to express it to people. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's good, and more people should feel like they can do that. And I also think that saying that you don't know how you feel is a really honest response that most people when they're going through something don't they don't acknowledge it because there's sometimes there's too many things I was just saying the thing is really like the it's not the truth that I that I don't know what I feel you know that's the quick answer mm-hmm. <laughs> if someone's like how do you feel I just say I don't know because like the tr- truth of it is is like the enormity of what I'm feeling right now like the amount of loss mm-hmm. and also the amount of liberation and, like, all the confusing feelings that come with all of that. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, I I wish I could be there to just give you a hug. <laughs> <laughs> oh, me too. I wish we could just go see Waitress. Honestly, I feel like it would... If I could go see Waitress with you right now, it might actually be the most powerful magic I could possibly oh. receive. <laughs> like, when can you come to New York and see me? <laughs> yeah, you know what? We should... After we finish recording, we should look at our calendars because I would love to make that happen. Ugh. <laughs> Guys, this is what this is what it's like to have friends. <laughs> oh. oh my oh. goodness. Um I wanna tell everybody how I know you. Yeah. Ooh. It's exciting. <laughs> well, no, can you tell it? Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> um so three years ago I booked my very first Airbnb and I found um, Tyla's apartment and she uh, let me into the guest room and I wanted to stay in Brooklyn because I had just read this memoir by this chef and I was I wanted to try to go to her restaurant and oh my god I forgot that part. yeah <laughs> so in the on the bookshelf there was this book called Blood Bones and Butter which was written by the chef and um, I went out to a Mets game came back and Tyla was sitting on her couch watching The Good Wife and she invited me to have a glass of wine and I, we sat down and started talking and <laughs> I mentioned the chef and she just looked at me and she's like, I'm her executive assistant. <laughs> oh, I don't think I probably used those words. Oh, maybe <laughs> but... something like that. But if I had used those words, I might've been better at my job. I might've known more <laughs> what I was supposed to do. I was the executive assistant. Oh, but it was, oh. it was wild. And then we continued to talk and realized we had a lot in common and she'd mentioned that she'd gone to Duke, and we realized that we had a mutual friend as well, and it was crazy. So it's definitely a small world. He, oh, no, you have to say who the mutual friend is. Oh, Andy, Andy Cunningham. He, um, Tyler was in <laughs> Africa with him, and they, they helped open a school together. <laughs> and Andy was my junior prom date. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Uh. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> and we've been friends ever since. Yeah. And then that day that you came down to New York and we went to see Waitress with Jana. Yeah, that was that was amazing. And Jana has had I've recorded an episode with her already this season. So for anybody who's out there listening that's like, I loved Jana's episode. <laughs> this is Jana that we're talking about. So Jana's part of this little love puddle. <laughs> 
<laughs> and we went and saw a waitress and it changed my whole life. It was, it was a pretty incredible experience. Hmm. Mm. Sarah Bareilles bringing <laughs> people together. Oh, she is my shero. Yes. Yes. She really is like, I bow down to that woman, her memoir. Oh, well, this is all really good because <laughs> <laughs> what is so interesting is when we saw Waitress, I was so hungover that day. <laughs> I was so hungover that day. And <laughs> sometimes I can self-medicate that with marijuana, but I didn't have any. Because I had spent the night on a friend's couch. <laughs> That's right. Um, on the Upper West Side. <clears throat> That's right. You were, yeah, you were upset about your outfit, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I was complaining. I was uncomfortable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just, like, uncomfortable in my whole being. But we went to that Thai place, and I was able to eat, which isn't always true when I'm hungover. Mm-hmm. Um, I think because I was with the two of you, I felt comforted, and so I was able to eat. <laughs> um, and I felt so good, and I remember we laughed so hard, and, like, I felt so uncomfortable in my body, but it, I think it made me, like, extra vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so I received so much more from our time together that day because my guard was all the way down, mm. you know? Yeah, and I think I'd never met Jana before, but she was lovely, and it was it was really fun being able to spend time with people I hadn't known really well. But it it was just so easy and effortless, and I think connections like that are so infrequent, but amazing when you make them. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, <sighs> I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Uh, um, well, let's dive in. Okay. All right. Jackie, I love you and I'm here for you. (laughs) And if at any moment you need to pause or if at the end of this, you want to tell me that there's something that you want edited out, Mm -hmm. um, I want to let you know that I'm available for that. Okay. (laughs) Thank you. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, so how should we start? <laughs> yeah, I was trying to think if there was anything else I need to say about our terms of engagement. <laughs> I just want you to feel safe, and I'm going to really allow you space. Okay. And so if there's ever a point where you are talking... And you feel like there might be more to say, but you're also, like, (laughs) hesitant because I haven't talked in a while. Mm -hmm. I either give you permission to keep talking, if you can, like, take a breath and allow yourself to just keep going. Mm -hmm. Or to call me in if you want me to, if you want me to come back in so you can feed off of me a little bit. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Okay. Okay, so I'm going to invite you to put a hand on your heart and a hand on your womb space and 
start breathing into that sentence that I asked you to come prepared with. And when you get to a point where you're feeling really powerfully present in the energy of that sentence, I want you to tell me in one word how you feel. And I want you to take as long as you need, okay? Okay. Okay. I feel catharsis. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Tell me more about that. <laughs> um, I, I've come to realize over the years that grief is, it's a continuum. And it is, some days there are moments when I feel the loss so deeply. Um, And some days are so busy that I forget about it altogether. But with certain milestones or events, um, I definitely feel her presence more. And um, I'm, I'm grateful that despite the fact it's taken a really long time to get here, um, I can indulge in memories. And while feeling, you know, a little emotional and vulnerable, I am still able to extract some joy and gratitude, which took a, took a really long time, a really long time. Um, and reading and talking to other people who lost parents, you know, some people I think feel as though you should quote unquote, get over it or be over it and move on with your life. Um, and that's, that's not what it is. That's not, that's not how it works. Um, so it's, Uh it's been validating, I think, to speak with other people who've had similar experiences, knowing that, you know, you're not the only one out there. Uh Um, and can you say your one sentence that you came in with? I should have, we should have brought yeah, that up okay. earlier, <laughs> We're just going. Okay. 17 mm. years ago today, my mom passed away. Mm. Mm. I'm so sorry, Jackie. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so so sorry I I appreciate that especially coming from you because I know you can you can empathize Um, yeah (sighs) (laughs) and it's so interesting because you know, I like to hold the sentence that way. Mm-hmm. However, in, in real life, like, it's not a year ago today anymore. We're, like, right. <laughs> a couple weeks past, I feel. Yeah. or About a week. And, yeah. And it's interesting because I've been thinking a lot about that. Like, it's not so rigid the way the continuum works. Like, because mm-hmm. what I'm finding is that the reason this show is so potent and so powerful is because we really are kind of on this thing where about once a year we're going through the same lessons in our life over and over or the same energetic patterns. Absolutely. So it's like, 
<sighs> I mean, you know, like every time, well, not every time, the last, I don't know if this is consistent data, two years in a row, Matt and I have almost broken up right at Thanksgiving and right at Mother's Day. Huh. Like in that period. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Which, (laughs) (laughs) oh no, (laughs) it's just, that's funny, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure that's not coincidental. No, these anniversaries, they, they, they bring up big stuff, like big imprinting from our past trauma around those times. So I feel like in the case of looking at something like, the death of a parent or the death of a best friend or the death of anyone you're close to, even a pet, (laughs) (laughs) which there's an episode about that. (laughs) (laughs) This season has been a real, real interesting ride. (laughs) Well, so the other element I want to address really at the top here And I'm going to ask you to lead me through a little bit because I sometimes (laughs) don't retain the full details of something until I've, I I require an intimate conversation sometimes to be able to hold information. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And even then sometimes (laughs) it's it's a lot, you know? Yeah, it's a lot of stuff. Um, So the other, the other part of this that I remember us talking about was that your mother, you are now at the age you were when dot, dot, dot. Yeah, I am. So I'm 32 and um, my mom adopted me as a single parent. And so I'm the age that she was when I entered her life. And I think I've been feeling, I've been feeling that really since my birthday, which is at the end of August. And it's, um, it's been tough and it's been joyful and it's been, it's been unexpected, I think, because I, I wasn't anticipating going through what I've been going through this year um, and connecting with her and with that loss. It's been, it's been interesting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so do you want, should I give you background information? <laughs> Where do we start? <laughs> I want to know, I want to know what you've been through this year and why it's been so potent. Mm -hmm. I want to look at what you're seeing as this whole energy comes into an even sharper focus Mm -hmm. with this extra year of distance, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I started my birthday off this year by attending a spin class, which was a pretty, um, that's significant for me because I'm not. I'm not what I would consider to be athletic and I've struggled with, with weight and with health. Um, and despite not being related to my mom genetically, I, she died of a heart attack. So as I've gotten older, um, that, that has continued to resonate and, and frankly has instilled a bit of fear in me. Um, she died when she was 47, which is far too young. Um, so I think I wanted to start this year off beginning with healthy habits, um, because I don't, I don't want to die of a heart attack. And I think that's something that I'm always going to be 
a little bit scared of. And, and I suspect, too, um, that when I get closer to the age that she was when she passed away, that that'll be a similar but, um, you know, equally eye-opening experience. So anyway, um, <laughs> uh, so like I said, my mom adopted me as a single parent, and I was raised Catholic, and she was really supportive of me when I told her in the middle of my confirmation classes that I didn't want to be confirmed anymore. I was 14, and our priest at the time was giving a pejorative sermon about gay people, and it just rubbed me the wrong way. And at that time, Vermont was, I don't know, I can't remember if it was the first or one of the first states to pass civil unions. So people were up in arms over that. And um, I I just, I felt really uncomfortable. And my mom was also working for the church at the time. And so she, you know, she was like, it's okay if you don't want to do this. And she explained to me that because my grandmother expected all of her children to go to church. It was non-negotiable. And um, my mom said that after she moved out of the house and spent some time away, she didn't go to church, and she religion wasn't an important part of her life, um, but she came back to it on her own terms. And I've had, I've had a similar experience with that, um, which has been pretty powerful. Um, in the, in the past, I might have gone to church perhaps, of course for a wedding or maybe on Christmas Eve, um, but sometimes honestly it was too difficult for me to even be in those spaces because, I mean, I felt her everywhere. Uh, and it was uh, overwhelming. Um, and I didn't... I wasn't ready to open myself up to that experience. Um, so to, uh, and you know, this year is, it's been good. I've been, what I, what I would describe as shopping around quote unquote, <laughs> trying to find, um, the right, the right fit for me. Um, and I think something that I've experienced that a lot of Catholics grapple with is, can you be liberal? Can you be a feminist and still be a Catholic? Um, mm. Does it have to be an all-or-nothing situation? And so, you know, I've been doing some reading and talking to other friends, and um, it, going back to the church feels right as far as what my beliefs are, because I, I believe that you can be feminist and liberal and still be a Catholic. Um, <laughs> and if, oh my God, Jackie! As you're talking, I'm like in my head. What I'm hearing is, can you be feminist and still be a? <laughs> and I'm realizing that they're Catholic. Oh no. <laughs> Womp womp. Oh boy. Oh. I'm so glad you're editing. Oh no, I'm leaving that in there. Oh, no. Okay. Um anyway, so that's that's something that I've I've really tried to examine internally. And um and I I mean for me religion, those experiences, there's an element of traditionalism where it's so familial. There are so many childhood memories associated with just going to church with family and that sort of thing. So um, in some ways, being in the space this year, it's, it's been a sense of comfort as well. Um, so mm. it's not, mm-hmm. you know, the, the feeling of her presence is not overwhelming in such a way where I have to just close myself off to it. Um, 
and that that in itself mm-hmm. feels really good and Mm -hmm. still yeah but I still miss her (laughs) well yeah I think it's my experience has been that you know as I allow more of my father's presence in Mm -hmm. that I definitely miss him more you know Mm -hmm. Like, because I allow myself to think of him more often and to love him more often and then to miss him more often. Do you find yourself, like, reading books that he read or doing activities that he did? I have still been scared to, Mm -hmm. honestly, you know? Yeah. I've been trying to, like, make space in my life to write. (laughs) Like, I remember my dad... He had depression. Mm. <clears throat> but honestly, the times I remember him being the happiest is when he would sit at his computer writing and he would make himself laugh out loud. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I've, I've tried to write and I've found it really challenging. It's, it's, I don't always feel supported enough to engage in that way, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, And similarly, like, I've started, he's written a book, I've started reading it, like, three or four times. I've never gotten more than, like, 25 pages before I put it down and walked away from it. Oh, wow. Um, you know. Was was he into photography, too? Am I remembering that correctly? (laughs) Yeah, he was. And yesterday I took a picture and then I had the thought, I'm a photographer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he used to work at a radio station. And that has always been a part of his life that I really loved thinking about, but never really got to witness. <laughs> and then I was like, oh my God, I have a podcast. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's incredible. I am my father in so many ways, you know. So when I look at him... I learn about myself, you know, and that sounds like what you've been moving through, like in looking and allowing yourself to look at your mom and kind of like try to engage in a way that feels better. Mm -hmm. You like have learned so much about yourself, I would imagine. Yes. And again, you know, I don't think you go into your 30s, perhaps. I I went into my 30s nervous like anybody else and a little bit feeling like a failure because I hadn't accomplished what I quote unquote that I should have or had wanted for myself. Um, But generally speaking, the thirties have been, I feel really comfortable in my skin compared to where I was in my twenties. But I wasn't anticipating, I wasn't anticipating such shifts. Yeah. It's Mm. uh, so yeah, the religion part is, um, is part of it. And um, another piece is, deciding that I want kids. Um, I Mm, mm -hmm. did not want them and I did not see myself having them in my life other than I'm a high school teacher. Um, so I, I have kids every day for six hours and I I have a niece and nephew and lots of friends with kids and I've loved being a part of their lives. But until this year have not really had a desire to have my own and I've started thinking in terms of, well, when my kids or if my children and 
um, that's been pretty powerful too. Um, mm-hmm. That's a big, big, big shift. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the difference between my mom and me is I, because I experienced such a loss, I, I won't do it if I'm by myself. So if I don't end up with a partner, that means that I may not be meant to have children, um, but I don't want a child to experience what I did. <laughs> so... <laughs> Do you want me to raise a baby with you, Jackie? Uh, yeah, I think it'd be really fun. Uh, it'd be the cutest little hippie baby ever. <clears throat> oh, that is so true. <sighs> mm. <laughs> so those are those are those are two big things. Um, and I w- I was fifteen when she passed away, and when you're Ugh. when you're fifteen, it's it's so. <laughs> it's so precarious and I've, I've felt like it, her loss would have been different had I been three or had I been in my twenties. Um, you know, it would, may not have been as impactful when I was, if I had been little and if I had been an adult, I would have had the opportunity to get to know her as a person. And, um, my mom was, you know, she, she's hardworking. She was, definitely well loved by her friends and her family especially um but she was private and I think she saw herself in the role of taking care of of other people and so because she was so invested in doing things for other people there were which I mean is amazing in itself um I just feel like there's so much about her that I don't know um Mm. and Mm -hmm. And that's really hard because you want to know who your parents are, not just as the way that they parented you, but also their flaws are like, is there, was their life what they wanted it to be? What were their dreams and aspirations? And, you know, I had, I went to a childhood friend's wedding, um, four years ago in California and I mean I've known this friend since kindergarten so I've known her family really well and um, I remember at the as I was leaving the reception I just burst into tears and I realized it was because and this is a little selfish but I just realized I wasn't gonna have that experience (laughs) with my mom Um, and (laughs) uh, my mom has eight brothers and sisters and when she passed away I moved in with her sister and brother-in-law and they have three kids and it's you know they're all wonderful people and you know it was challenging at times finishing up high school um and I you know again I'm really grateful for them but nothing nothing replaces your mom (laughs) and you know, you have those those moments as a child when you're scared and, and you think, I just, I want my mom. I want her right now. Um, and when you're an adult, that, that feeling doesn't change. <laughs> <laughs> oh, tell me about it. I'm constantly like, mommy, <laughs> mom, help. Uh, so, you know, that, that sort of thing is hard. And, um, and dating, <laughs> dating is tough. You know, I've recently quietly begun seeing someone who I'm pretty excited about and 
Ooh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, so so far so good, and I'm not gonna share too much, but uh, um, I, I'm pretty happy right now, and it, <laughs> you know, I it kills me that I can't mm. I can't share that with her. Mm. So it's mm. um, and I think, yeah, it. That, that's been tough. And I think with, with the dating thing, you know, I've spent a lot of time not dating or dating unsuccessfully. Um, so it's like, all these feelings and experiences that I'm having in this aspect of my life are new and foreign. And it it's like this extra layer of emotion to have to sit through, um, sift through, excuse me. And yeah, so I, again, being the same age that she was, I can't imagine myself, I can't imagine myself without a college degree adopting a baby from a foreign country and deciding to raise it. And the more I think about what she did, <laughs> I'm just like fucking <clears throat> blown away. Am I allowed to swear? Are you going to have to edit that out? I'm not going to edit that out. <laughs> okay. This is an unedited show. I'm pretty sure, well, it's not totally unedited, but it's largely unedited. Okay. And. <laughs> Um, um, I'm pretty sure there's like a little explicit sign on my logo, oh, <laughs> so that's good. <clears throat> good. We can we can thank Tipper Gore for that. <laughs> is that the person who made it? I don't know who that is. She's Al Gore's wife. Who's that? Um, and she, uh-huh. yeah, she was one of the first people who I think went to court or Congress or something, and was involved in having music labeled explicit. Uh-huh. Yep. You know what? I'm happy for that because if there's something with an explicit label, I feel like oftentimes I'm like, well, that must be, <laughs> that must be what's good. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, <clears throat> uh, I've been thinking a lot about censorship lately, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it's like, if I'm going to speak, I would like my words to be explicit. <laughs> I would like not to censor myself. I think I think that's great. <laughs> I think more people should jump on board. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's fucking challenging though, you know, because I'm realizing I'm realizing right now that what's happening is I have <laughs> I have become a true feminist, you know. Mm-hmm. And speaking my truth how do you means how do you think that's changed for you in the past like six months or so? Mm. Oh, this is a whole whole other convo. I'm like, how much time do you actually have? <laughs> <laughs> oh. <clears throat> I mean, essentially, essentially, I have been paying really close attention to the ways that I don't feel safe and then I have been creating boundaries and are are these boundaries with people that you know in person or like online everyone everywhere Mm. (laughs) I'm learning how to have boundaries like in life and I'm unpacking a lot of internalized um sexism in order to do that 
And I'm realizing not only the ways I've made myself small, but also the ways that society is taught to make me small. And I'm not letting people do those things to me anymore. That's awesome. It, it's amazing that you can <laughs> yeah. some of that. But yeah, it, is, it was really hard. Well, it's awesome, you know. However, like, my boyfriend's moving out, and his whole family hates me, and... <laughs> uh, but if you're not able to feel like you can be your true, authentic self, that's not... Then why stay? Yeah, it's not... It's ultimate. <laughs> Because I love them. Yeah. I love them all so much, you know? Right. I love them all so much. Matt, most of all. Of course. You know, and it's like... <laughs> this is not... <clears throat> this is not the first time... Mm. I have a pattern of staying in relationships that hurt. Mm. Um, relationships in which I am being asked repeatedly to make myself small. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it feels like something I've been fighting against my whole life. <sighs> well, I think the right decisions are not always <laughs> the, the easiest ones. And I... I I know that's why I'm thinking that you should adopt a baby (laughs) (laughs) well and I you know like talking I have a a former colleague who's in her late 30s and she's married and they don't have kids Um, and the school that I teach at is it's it's a great school it's a challenging school and you know, there are nights where I'm there until 6 or 6.30 or sometimes even 10, um, being a music teacher with concerts and whatnot. Um, and I've, I've thought, and I also, um, for a graduate paper, I was writing about female band directors and why there are so few of them. And a big reason for that is because women are not treated the same way as men, and they have to choose either their their band kids or their kids at home. It's one of the, it's one or the other. There's not a lot of flexibility. And, um, you know, I've, I've come to the realization that if I choose to have children, I will not be able to do my job the way that I do it now. Um, <clears throat> and it's, I mean, it's, it, it feels good to understand that, but it's infuriating that I have to choose and that the expectation should be put on me as a, primary caretaker and then understanding further again how important it is to have a fucking awesome parent who knows what they're doing even though they may not feel like they know what they're doing um you know I see and sometimes honestly sometimes I tell myself you know what I'm really glad that I had 15 years with a an amazing mom because I look at some of the parenting or lack thereof that I see with some of my students and it's awful and they seek the parental support from their teachers because they're not getting it at home. So lots, lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah. There's so much to unpack there. Yeah. No, it's like, <laughs> like, I feel like I've been for the last three years, I've been reparenting myself. Mm. And that doesn't mean that I don't love the parents that I had because I do <laughs> so much. However, you know, they were wounded people, <laughs> wounded from their upbringing, 
and their parents were wounded by their parents, you know, so we've got all these generations of wounded behavior being passed down and passed down and passed down. Mm-hmm. I don't know if this is your experience at all, but... Yeah, I, I will. think... <clears throat> I think... <laughs> I mean, to an extent, you know, my family... My family is Irish Catholic, so we don't sit down and talk about our emotions. Um, mm-hmm. I think my niece is... Um, and by niece, my niece, I mean it's my cousin's daughter. Um, but yeah, by niece, I mean my my now maybe not boyfriend anymore's brother's daughter. Right. <laughs> it's, like six, you know, like, it's like that Kevin Bacon. The little girl who has my whole heart, that little girl, <laughs> who's actually so many degrees removed from me. Mm. Oof. But again, that's, that's the thing about human connection. You know, you don't have to be related in order to just be completely enamored with someone (sighs) you know and it's like when will we choose to just focus our attention on the people who enamor us rather than trying to focus our attention on the people that we wish were enamored by us true (laughs) you know what I mean like yes (sighs) absolutely do you listen to the band Delta Ray I've heard of them but I haven't listened to their stuff, but I will check them out after after we sign off. Yeah, there's there's a song. I'll find it and send it to you. Um, or if you find it first, that's great too, because sometimes I forget. <laughs> I'll try. I'll remember. I will remember. Um, well, the other night. Okay, so I want to tell you something kind of amazing. Do you feel? Like, you want to hold space for a little bit more of my story of what's going on right now? Absolutely. Okay, great. Just wanted to make sure. (laughs) So, I don't know why I feel called to share this with you, so you may have to help me at the end figure out why. Okay, I'm in. (laughs) Um, So, I have a client who... Well, here's what I mean about I've been setting boundaries with everybody lately. Often people ask me for my support, and in the past I haven't charged money for it Mm -hmm. because I haven't been able to clearly define who I am or what I do. Um, However, recently I've been like, okay, even though I can't clearly define it, I am no longer supporting people for free. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... As soon as I did that, people started reaching out to me for support. A lot of men, actually. Interesting. And, like, hey, can you get on the phone and talk with me about this thing? And then, like, hey, can you help me? I want to turn this thing into an online class. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you want to help me? And in exchange, you'll learn what I'm teaching. Mm. That wasn't said explicitly. It was just, like, a do you want to help me without any clear terms of exchange offered. Mm. Um So I responded to both of those messages and a couple others that came in with like, you know what? I would be more than happy to do X, Y, Z. It's going to be a dollar a minute plus a 10% business admin fee. Mm. Because I can't continue to give my time to, (laughs) oh my God, to give my, I was going to say to anybody, but it really feels like to men. It's like, (laughs) I can't continue to like give my time to men without knowing what I'm there for and then not being compensated for the incredible value that I provide. Mm -hmm. You know, so one of those men went away. It was like, no, thank you. 
um, and then came back like a week later and was like, now I have the money. <laughs> and I was like, great. I don't have availability to talk to you till Thursday. And he was like, well, I need it by tomorrow. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> um, and the other one became a client and we had a beautiful exchange and then he won a Qigong, which is, do you know what Qigong is? It's no. in the same family as Tai Chi. Okay. So it's like movement, breath, meditation, mm-hmm. martial art. Um, he won a five-day Qigong vacation on a farm in New Hampshire and wasn't able to go and wanted to see if I would take his spot. Whoa. Um, and I was like scared to say yes because I thought I wonder if there are any strings attached to this Mm -hmm. because that's usually how it feels to receive from men Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I wasn't conscious that I was thinking that it's only in retrospect I understand that's how I felt Mm -hmm. but I took it and I trusted myself that you know I wasn't agreeing to anything beyond accepting this (laughs) Mm And let myself go. And then I went and I learned for five days from this Qigong master, Robert Peng, who's like grew up studying with a like former monk in China, like <laughs> so legit. And then I came home and Matt and I had talked before I left about him moving out, but then kind of decided he wasn't going to. Mm-hmm. But then I was away for five days, and I came back, and we came home, or I came home, and we went to a Delta Ray concert. Okay. And <laughs> you're like, how does any of this... No, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm not, <laughs> not befuddled. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. Oh, that's my internalized sexism, me assuming that other people think I'm stupid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, anyway, we got home. I got home. I guess we is me and my personalities, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it feels like a we. Maybe it's me and my, like, spirit team, my angels. Yeah, you should call them something cool like your posse or something. You make it sense. That's what Sally calls <laughs> them. <laughs> awesome. Uh, anyway, we got home and, you know, didn't land... Totally easily. I walked in and Matt was cooking a beautiful dinner and the drive had taken longer than I thought. So it was like walk in, shower, dinner, and then go to the concert. Mm -hmm. And I came in and showered and we ate and we like just kind of started talking. And then on the way out the door to the concert, we got all the way down the stairs and I stopped him and like looked at him. And was just like, I just realized, like, I haven't truly said hello or kissed you or told you how I am so happy to see you, you know? Mm. And I don't know. Then a lot of things happened that were really magical that I don't feel the need to go into here, but I can tell you later if you want to know. Sure, absolutely. (laughs) Like, but we went to the Delta Ray concert and... I was just noticing that I felt safer in my body than ever before. Mm -hmm. And I was like singing more and allowing myself to kind of dance more freely than I usually do in public spaces. Mm -hmm. Um, And 
the point of this is that then Delta Ray played this song about I've been looking at the wrong ocean. Mm. And, you know, they're talking about kind of moving back and forth between the two sides. Well, it's about knowing where you want to be, you know? But anyway, I, like, heard the song in a whole new way, and I was... How do I put this? Well, it's like, it's like we said, I've been looking at all the people who I wish would love me instead of being present to all the people in the world who do really love me. Mm. I'm, I've been not prioritizing the relationships with people that I feel enamored by and that feel enamored by me. And those are the relationships to prioritize. Absolutely. You know? Instead, I've been spending a lot of time with with a lot of people who make me feel small, mm. who I allow myself to feel small around, you know? Mm-hmm. That's the... I've been allowing myself to feel small around them. And now that I'm not allowing myself to feel small anymore, now that I've stepped into a uh, more embodied feminism, mm-hmm. I mean, I, this goes back to your original question. Yeah. <laughs> Now that I've stepped into a more embodied feminism, things are falling away. Mm. I read a quote. There was an interview in the New York Times with Nico Case, and I'm going to paraphrase her. It's on my Facebook wall if anybody wants to see it. Um, She said something along the lines of, like, when you really start to grapple with the fact that you're treated like a second-class citizen, your whole world starts to fall apart. That's powerful. (sighs) And I mean, that's what you're talking about, too, in, in wanting to be a parent and feeling, first of all, helpless without a man to do it, which I totally understand, you know? It's like... How can you have a job and support a child and do what you love right? without that kind of support from a partner or from society? That's the thing. If we had a society that supported all humans (laughs) (laughs) instead of just, you know, mostly white men, which is who our society is built to serve. Right. Yeah, no. Like, literally, that's what the foundation is, you know? And it's like... You should be able to have a kid, and you should have a community around you that will support you, whether or not you have a, whether or not you choose you want to live with a partner. Right. And, you know, <laughs> one of my coworkers um, had a baby a couple of weeks ago, and because he was premature, she used her sick time earlier than she was expecting to, so she has to go back to work tomorrow, and she's, she's dreading it. Mm. And, God. and, you know, she's, she's from the same town that we teach in. So her family is local and, and, and her husband uh, is lovely and supportive. Um, but if she wants to fucking stay home with her kid, she should be able to stay home with her kid. Um, you know, my mom, my mom worked at a job that paid her hourly. So she didn't have great benefits or any of that, but my grandmother was nearby all of my aunts and uncles were nearby so there was never a question of someone being able to or wanting to take care of me um and 
you know, I had like I had somebody seeing me off going to school every day and somebody waiting for me when I got home. Um, and that's that in itself is powerful. Me being sent off to school with a hot breakfast every day, which is what every kid deserves, was my reality mm-hmm. as an elementary kid. But not all kids get that. Um, yeah. And it's well, ugh. and that's the thing about a society that that devalues women, you know, is it's not just the women who suffer. It's also the children (laughs) and the men. Everybody suffers, you know, everybody suffers. Mm. Mm. Anyway. Yeah. (laughs) It sounds like your mom was pretty like fierce though, to be able to do what she did to adopt you and raise you. What was, well, can we talk a little bit about what your relationship with your mom was like? Do you feel open to that? I would like to hear, I would like to call her presence in a little bit and have some of her energy in here. So I would love for you to tell me about her. Okay. Um, Like I said, she, um. I think most people, including me, would describe her as hardworking. Um, mm-hmm. There are not a lot of excuses. She and she wasn't a complainer either. Um, just okay. Wait, wait. Sorry, I want to clarify because I was listening earlier when you were saying <laughs> the thing about how gorgeously you described because she did so much for other people mm-hmm. that there was so much of her that was not known. Mm-hmm. You know, um, so what I would like is an opportunity to know her a little. And so I'm wondering if in that vein, you could shut your eyes and take a deep breath and see if there's a memory that comes up that you would be willing to share Yeah. about your mom. Absolutely. Um, okay. I think... There are a couple that that come to mind. Um, you know, we didn't we didn't have a ton of money um, growing up, but I certainly never w- went without anything. And despite that, and I'm I know she felt badly about that. I know she did, um, which breaks my heart um, now, mm-hmm. um, still. But. Mm-hmm she would go out her way to do things for me that she knew I would really enjoy. For example, when I was in high school, um, I was able to go on a trip to Japan for two weeks and it was amazing. And I got back and I was jet lagged. And at that point, that was the longest I'd been away from home. And while I had been sleeping, my mom had gone over to my best friend's house and picked her up and brought her over. So when I woke up, my best friend was there. waiting for me (laughs) oh my goodness and you know a lot of parents Mm. would want to be like oh family time we need to you know talk about your trip but I mean she knew how much I missed Allison and she just made that happen Mm. oh god (laughs) that is incredible that is so and I know it's it's so simple um but I think that speaks to just that speaks to the type of person that she was and um my mom worked as, I don't know what you call them in, in New York, but like paraprofessional or a classroom aide um, for you know kids with special needs. And 
when I was little, especially, a lot of the time she would bring those kids home. Um, and so I was, you know, I was little, so I was playing with them. And, you know, some of them had cerebral palsy, some of them were autistic, and it wasn't, so it wasn't a big deal. Um, you know, it didn't seem mm-hmm. foreign to me. And as I got older, I realized that it wasn't just because she thought you know, it would be good for me to play with someone different, but also she was doing it for free so the, those parents could just have a little bit of time for themselves. Oh, my God. <laughs> I mean. Wow. So, wow. yeah. <laughs> yeah. She sounds like Superwoman. <laughs> she's, she's pretty awesome. <laughs> mm. um, but, you know, very quietly so. She didn't, she didn't really draw a lot of attention to herself. And I, I, think, I think she was a bit of a wallflower, um, a bit of a tomboy, but not athletic. She just wasn't overly feminine, which, again, speaking to what we were talking about earlier, when you don't fit into that box, especially growing up in a small town, it's it, it's just hard. And I know, you know, <clears throat> dating was challenging for her too. I think, and I, I wish I wish I could know more, um, mm, but I don't mm-hmm. think that she felt like she had a lot of self worth. Mm-hmm. Um, she was really smart, and I think I think she should have gone to college to study accounting or something like that because she was so good with numbers and but I don't think she had the confidence in herself yet she made me feel like I was unstoppable yeah so yeah it's hard to lose that kind of support yeah and I I think, again, losing it at 15, when you're just on the precipice of starting to come into who you are a little bit more, um, it's it, it was devastating in, in that way. And it's taken me years to unpack that. Um, and recently, um, and I, I kind of, again, you were talking about, you know, having a book and not being ready to read it. Um, I discovered this book by Hope Edelman called uh, Motherless Daughters, and I've been reading a bit of it, and it's all about women who've had experiences losing their mom at, in their teens or early 20s, and, and it's it's such an important part of our development as people, and it, it validates everything that I've experienced, because I, at losing her, I felt like, I felt like I was damaged goods, because I was so emotionally not okay um for a a really long time and I always felt so much more serious than my classmates and 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 not that other people haven't gone through traumatic things either but I just felt like such such an outlier (laughs) Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but you know I don't know if I had been presented with that book earlier if I if I would have been ready to read it feeling her presence now Again, like thinking about wanting my own kids is exciting, but also it, and not that they won't have a grandparent, you know, my aunt will definitely take on that role, um, but it just, it sucks that my kids won't ever get to meet her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Those, <sighs> you also mentioned earlier, like going to weddings and like yeah. that being hard, like 
I cry at almost every wedding during the father-daughter <laughs> dance, you know? And I think all the time oh, about yeah. who's going to walk me down the aisle if I want to do it by myself or if I want, you know, what it's like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> at least yeah. it's not a, an immediate concern. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know, Tyler, if we decide to raise a baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we don't have to be married mm. to do that. I know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I hear, I hear you. And, and again, it it goes back to what you're saying about society because it doesn't make you less deserving if you don't have the opportunity to have those experiences, but it's what society has conditioned us to feel. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And I, you know, I think about her and she died she died the week the week after mother's day um Mm. and one of the last again i'm a music teacher so in high school being in chorus was everything and that's now what i do as an adult and i distinctly remember her being at this concert that i had been in the, the week before and i was walking off the stage and she just looked so proud of me and I was ecstatic and she even wrote me a card that just said, I love you. Your concert was great. That was it. Um, and that's, I think that might be the last thing, the last card that she ever gave me. Um, and I have it, I have it framed, but I have it framed in a place in my closet that (laughs) like I have people over, no one's going to see it because I still feel even just seeing her handwriting still feels so intimate for me. Wow. Um, so I think that experience really shaped me in a, a lot of different ways. But so this time of year, when everything is opening up and blossoming and starting over again, it's 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 probably the most challenging time of year for me. Yeah. Um, and sometimes it's it's the anticipation. And then the day itself is okay. Um, you know, this year I I also happened to sing in a professional chorus and we had a concert and um, I had to allow myself to sit with those feelings um, because I, I don't think it was a coincidence that it happened to be on, on that day. And the way the days lined up, she died on a Saturday. It's the same. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot yeah a lot of wonderful stuff too it's just it's just a lot you know I think about (laughs) and it's all the things that we don't realize are related you know it's like the Mm -hmm. energies that come up that are affecting our relationships in the present maybe that like really have to do with old energies that are just activated in our body Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm reading a book called The Emotion Code about how emotions get trapped in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like, so anything that we don't process as it's happening kind of, like, gets stuck in there but can oh, get, like, triggered. so much sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wow. that's, like, what what's being, like, when you're triggered or when you're activated, that's what that is. It's, like, old emotions that are coming up. Um and as soon as your brain feels old emotions, it starts telling a story about what's causing them. And usually it's going to tell some, like a story about something that's happening in the present. 
Mm-hmm. Um, like so-and-so said this thing to me yesterday and that's why I'm feeling this right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but really what's going on could be like, so-and-so said this thing to me yesterday. It activated something within my body. There's an emotion coming up and I'm identifying it as being caused by the thing that happened yesterday. But really this is something old from my past that I haven't dealt with that is somehow similar to what happened mm. yesterday. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So like a lot of times when people go down the rabbit hole, you know, that doesn't feel good of like obsessing about things, it's because they're telling a story about something that's happening in the present, but they're actually feeling emotions from the past and they're too scared Mm. to look at the past and find the emotions because it hurts to look sometimes. Yeah, it's, it's a terrifying place to look. Oh, and so beautiful too. Yes. You know, and that's the thing that I'm so, I want to honor you for is that, I know, (laughs) I know the kind of strength and courage that it takes to open up to the people that we miss. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know how much I see you doing that and how much I respect you for doing that. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know that I'm here to support you. (laughs) Um... I think I, again, I really appreciate that. Um, and I don't know if I would have been able to do this, um, without having connected with you first Mm. (laughs) in the way that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, we got something special going on. We do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I want you to... Just feel everything that's been activated here today between you and I and like in these past few weeks as you've been moving through this time and take a few deep breaths and think back to 19 years ago and the girl that you were and then I want you to speak directly to her from the woman that you are today. And say whatever it is you need to say, and then let me know when you're done. Boy. (laughs) (laughs) Tyler, you waited to hit me with the heavy stuff. Oh, it's going to be great. It doesn't have to be long. It can be, it could be five, it could be two words. It could be one word, or it could be like a couple sentences, but, you know, I want you to... I want you to love up on her a little. Like, imagine (laughs) that you... I want you to imagine that you have literally been transported back in time. And that she is in the depths of grief. And that you are right behind her and could whisper in her ear. And she may not be able to see you or feel you, but she can hear you. Okay. I think... You are going to have a really hard time, but you will come out on the other side so much stronger, so much more self-aware, and so much more deeply empathetic than you could ever imagine. And your empathy and the way that you value other people 
is how your mom is still going to live inside of you. That's more important than being related to somebody by blood because you have gotten to see the best example of what it means to be a good person. <sighs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Hope that was okay. <laughs> yes, may I add something to her? Yeah. Oh. Okay. For sure. You are so precious, baby girl. <laughs> And I love you so much. And it's all going to be okay. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> <sighs> all right, last question, Jackie. Okay. I want you to take another deep breath or two and let that energy ground a little bit. And then, will you please share with me in one word, how are you feeling? I am feeling present. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I love you so much. I love you too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for doing this with me. Yeah, of course. I, ho I hope <laughs> hope you can find some stuff you can use. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, are you kidding me? <laughs> That's your internalized sexism talking, Jackie. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes, my internalized sexism, but also <laughs> I feel like I feel like we can just talk about so many things. So it was like a ping pong match of just different, different conversations, mm -hmm. yeah. which is well, a good thing. That's why it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm a non-linear person. <laughs> <laughs> it's I love just it. true. Uh, all right. Well, I am going to say, cause I'm going to leave this part in too. Anybody out there listening who wants to connect with Jackie, I'm going to put her info in the show notes. Um, I've, this woman is incredible. So, I don't know. She'll let me know how she wants to be found, if she wants to be found. <laughs> and I'll get that information to you. Um, thank you, everybody out there listening, um, for being here with us today. Jackie, is there anything that you would like to say to our audience? Listen to a year ago today because it's the best podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs> yes, 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 yes. I'll take it. I will take that. Okay. Oh. All right. Well, oh, and go call, call your mom. That's also what I would say. Call yeah. your mother. <laughs> call your mom or your dad or your anybody you love. Just call them. Tell them that they mean something to you and that you're glad that they're alive. <laughs> mm -hmm. <clears throat> if you have a mom, start with your mom. <laughs> yes. All right, Jackie, I'm going to talk to you again soon. That sounds great. <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay. Bye. Bye.